God, uh, God gave me something fresh tonight. Uh, uh, normally, the second and third uh, Wednesday nights, I do, a, uh, I do a teaching on the book of Revelation. We're teaching uh, th- uh, through the book of Revelation verse by verse. But tonight, God gave me something different. And it's so much that I, I just know I won't get through. I mean, it's amazing. So uh, it, he gave me this to me in a, about less than a minute yesterday. I, was, I had a time of prayer. I was seeking the Lord. And, uh, and this thing come on me, and boom, there it was. And, and the title of this is Four Things That Will Prepare You for the Future. How many know Jesus is coming back? And uh, I had a, a, a fairly unusual experience Sunday night. If you don't come to Sunday night prayer, you know, you're missing, you're missing a, a great time of uh, opportunity to fellowship with the Lord. Come at six. Yes, it's a sacrifice, but anything worthwhile is. How many would agree? So Sunday night prayer, I talked a little bit. And then uh, when I was sitting right here when I started to pray. Now, we, I'm baptized with the Holy Spirit. If you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, raise your hand. That's most all of us. If you're not, you can be and really ought to be. And if you want to be, come and see me. How's that? And you can be. So we'll just end that. But uh, I was praying in the Spirit, that is praying in other tongues. And uh, according to 1 Corinthians 14, 2, uh, verse 4, verse 14, 15, Romans 8, 26, 27, Jude 20, and also the book of Isaiah. So uh, nonetheless, I was praying in the Spirit. And, um, I, and when I started, the Holy Spirit fell on me. And, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 um, uh, has nine spiritual gifts that operate in the lives of people baptized with the Holy Spirit. One of them is, uh, well, two of them are different kinds of tongues. And then the interpretation of tongues. Now, you can't make any of these gifts manifest. They are as the Spirit will. So I sat right here, and I felt tired. I felt, can I just get real? I felt carnal. I was tired. I didn't want to, honestly, my flesh just wanted to sit and say nothing because I was overly tired. Sometimes you get that. But the moment I sat on the chair, the Holy Spirit fell on me. And I started praying in the Spirit in a language I don't normally pray in. Now, usually if you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, you pray in a language and you know, it's kind of similar, you know, you know what it is, and you kind of pray that way. But this one was a, something I, I'd never in my life, ever, ever, had this come out of my mouth. And it was almost like I had an, it sounds funny to say it, and I'm not trying to be pseudo-spiritual or super-spiritual. I'm just saying, no, when, I, when I sat down here and started praying, it's like, it's like I was sitting over here beside myself listening to me pray. And I was thinking, my, my, my mind, my physical mind was thinking, what in the world is that? That's what I was thinking. It was coming out of my mouth. Uh, just forcefully, and I just kept praying, it kept coming. I thought, what is that? And then right on the heels of that, the interpretation came. And I wish we had recorded it. We didn't. Maybe we need to start recording Sunday night. Nonetheless, part of that was um, there's some things that are coming in our future. And God began to talk and speak prophetically uh, with the interpretation of what I was praying in the Spirit about, about what's going to be happening in our future. There, there is coming that revival that Joel talked about. It'll come to pass in the last days, Joel 2.28, that I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Then he said, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Uh, your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And he'd pour out his, spirits on all, his Spirit uh, on all of us. And it seems to indicate that it would be a worldwide thing. Well, when that came, uh, the interpretation, I'm just giving you the gist, of this was that uh, this is going to come, but not the way we think. And then also, even in America, the, the, what we're asking God for in America for a spiritual renewal, because it feels like we're in a downward spiritual spiral, uh, downward spiral spiritually. Uh, uh, that interpretation was that's coming, 
but it's not coming the way we think, and it'll be it, it'll come on the heels of a sudden occurrence. Now, I don't know what that is and don't even know when it is, but there's some things that are going to be difficult that we will be faced with. I don't know what that is. I don't even know how to interpret that. That's just that's the gist of what was uh, shared uh, via different kinds of tongues interpretation and that and that that would be the catalyst to draw people to god you know when everybody's fine people are at ease in zion and they're just smiling and working and playing and goofing off and doing stuff and and often we just kind of kind of relax spiritually but you know when you're in a hard place and you gotta seek boy you will seek because you don't have another choice right I hate that we're that way a lot of times as a culture or just human beings in general, but that's often the way it is. You know, I've, been tra- I've traveled to many nations of the world, and, and you think about people just having great experiences with God. Well, they have terrible, they have terrible lives. The places I've been, the people are miserable. Life is not fun like it is in America. You hear what I'm saying? We got the niceties, we got the nice homes, cars, we got money, we got jobs, we got leisure time. Places I've gone where God does big things, these people are sweating their guts out every day to live. I mean, they're going to the creek to get water, etc. And I can't take too much time with that. I'm just saying something's going to happen that's going to draw us to God. And I'm excited about that. And then the Lord also said that he's going to touch the, the heart of the young people. And I'm excited about it. He said, your, your sons and daughters. God's after the younger generation. How many hear me? So I may talk more about that later. That's not my subject tonight. Nonetheless, there are things coming that we need to get ready for. And my heart feels as I pray that we're not quite ready as a culture, as the people in the United States of America, what's coming. We're not ready for it. The church particularly isn't ready. We're just at ease. And, you know, we need to see the fact that we are in an army and we need to prepare ourselves. And if you're in an army, you're in basic, you go through basic training, but then you go through certain things every day to make sure you're whole, you've honed your skills and you're ready if your senior officers say, we're going to the battlefield. How many hear me? And we need to do that as the church. Everybody's so excited about this. So I'm just going to read this. Um, and I wrote this down on purpose. Our world is rapidly changing and world events are quickly moving towards the second coming of Christ. How many would agree with that? Uh, this time period is best described as a chaotic time where everything that can be shaken will be shaken. That's the very end of Hebrews chapter 12. Jesus will return. Uh, Jesus' return will unseat his enemies and this will produce unparalleled change. Then I've used some words to describe all the varying changes that the second coming of Christ will produce. A lot of people don't think in detail about what the second coming of Christ will do. But how many know when God first created Adam, this was to be in pristine environment for life. And we were to love one another and get along with each other. The whole environment of earth was just blessed with the angels of God and with humans working together with God to fulfill his plan and will on earth. It was the father and his family it was God's ingenious design, but he got upset by Adam's sin. And then when Adam sinned, he forfeited his right to fellowship with God and also forfeited his right to, to really be in charge under God over this planet. And as a result, he gave his authority away to Satan. Satan become the, became the God of this age, a curse was placed on the earth, and everything's kind of topsy-turvy and has been since then. How many get it? So we're going through the book of Revelation. We're talking about a lot of that. But uh, when Jesus comes back, it's going to unseat a lot of stuff. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. There are four things that we can do to prepare. But uh, to finish my sentence, 
Uh, Jesus' return will unseat his enemies and it will produce unparalleled change geophysically. Now I'm talking about the earth's landmass will change. Earthquakes, volcanoes. Uh, I've read so many articles on the magnetic pole, how it normally shifts, but it's shifting so much more now that those that are in the know have had to change their GPS coordinates, those that use GPS for flight and other things, because the, the poles have shifted, the magnetic uh, the magnet, magnetism around the earth has started to change and it's affecting the uh, jet stream. Then that's affecting weather patterns and then we're having unprecedented um, uh, weather situations in America particularly, but in other parts of the world as well. All, that is, all this is kind of working together. So I say geophysically, um, atmospherically with these poles shifting. Again, uh, the climates are changing and uh, we're having strange, huge, uh, and we'll have even more storms and perhaps even super storms. Um, spiritually, the uh, world will change as Jesus returns. Satan knows he has but a short time. Revelation 12, 12, so huge changes as you feel the spiritual pressure. How many feel more spiritual pressure than you did in years past? Uh, for me, in my personal life, this is my 44th year in Jesus working into that. And uh, I've never felt the pressure I feel now. And just to preach the word and, and just, to, just to stay honed in, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, there's more resistance than there ever been, has been. How many feel that in your own life? And you just got a purpose. You know what? You got to set your face. Uh, when I go through hard places sometime, I remember what Isaiah said. He said, I fate set my face like a flint. I was one time 30-something years ago, I started a church in a small town, and I'd say it over and over in my van by myself, God, I ain't moving. You call me here, I'd clench my teeth. I'm not moving. You know, it feels that way now here, right? So spiritually, there's a challenge. Mentally, listen to Luke 21, uh, 25. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, the stars. Upon the earth, there will be distress, trouble, anguish of nations, bewilderment, perplexity, without resources, left wanting, embarrassed in doubt. This is amplified not knowing which way to turn at the roaring, the echo, and the tossing of the sea. It's going to affect the ocean. Strange. Then it says, verse 26, men swooning away or expiring with fear and dread and apprehension and expectation of the things that are coming on the world. For even the very um, powers of the heavens will be shaken and caused to totter. That sounds so negative, but it doesn't end with a negative because he says, and then you'll see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great transcendent overwhelming power and all his clingly glory, majesty, and splendor. And you ought to be shouting about that. How many are ready for Jesus to come back? The problem is even believers today are so satisfied with the way they are, they don't want Jesus to come back because they can't play with their toys. My God, you know what's in heaven? Eyes not seen, ears not heard. It's not even entered into our hearts. What's prepared? Woo-hoo! We're too hooked to the things below. But I think God's got a plan to unhook us. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Huh? So, then he said, now when these things begin to occur, look up, lift up your heads because your redemption, deliverance is drawing near. And so, again, to finish my statement, geophysically, atmospherically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, you know, it affects us, and we have to resist those things. Talk about that tonight. Physically, listen to Luke 21, uh, Luke 21, verse 11. 
Uh, let me get to the bottom of that. There it is. There will be mighty and violent earthquakes in various places, famines, pestilences. Then listen to this, plagues. Malignant and contagious or infectious epidemic diseases, which are deadly and devastating, will come in the last days. Jesus said this, the Amplified New Testament, there'll be sites of terror and great signs from heaven. Part of that, um, as I was praying today, part of that, though, the infectious diseases is, I, I read a report from the Centers for Disease Control, you probably saw the same thing this past week, uh, venereal diseases are significantly on the rise, not only in America, but worldwide, as people have the idea that there are no morals and they can do anything they want to do with their physical bodies. When you violate God's word physically, you pay a huge price. And uh, we haven't yet seen the price that will be incurred worldwide as the world continues to violate the moral laws of God. How many hear me? So uh, all of this stuff's going to affect us economically, politically, as Satan seeks to uh, hold on to the power that Jesus is forcing his hand to release on the earth. How many are excited about Jesus coming back? So uh, I want to talk about that tonight. We're not left without help. help. God's given us two things. He's, got, he's given us, number one, His Word. How many know God's Word is the st- st- stabilizing factor in life? Secondly, God's given us the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit and the Word always agree. And if you'll read your Bible, the Holy Spirit will talk to you. If you don't read the Bible and all you do is look at YouTube videos and watch little videos on Facebook and do this and that, Holy Spirit won't talk to you. But if you'll get involved in the Word, the Holy Spirit will get involved with you. And He'll witness to your spirit, number one, that you belong to Jesus. Number two, that the Father loves you. Number three, that things are going to be okay. And then He'll start talking to you about adjustments you need to make. Stop talking so much. Stop befriending that person. They're going to lead you to hell watch what you're doing with your private time. Watch what you're doing with your eyes. Watch that physical habit. He'll talk to you about anything in life. What I found out as you age, how many know he wants you to live a long time? And if you've got habits that are going to mess with you, listen to this tomorrow. Listen, this is weird. Tomorrow, seven years ago, the Holy in fact, it started tomorrow seven years ago. I started exercising with a bicycle. I had jogged 30 years at the instruction of the Lord. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me September of 2012 and said, I want you to stop jogging. And he told me why. Because I'm aging. I was in my 50s. You know how old I am now. 61. And he said, I want you to start bicycling instead. Now, he didn't say that to you. He said it to me. But here it is seven years later. You know what that produced in me? I cannot describe. I feel alive. Sorry. I know, I feel it. It did something. But it was him. You know why? He wants me to live a long time. And when I live a long time, he wants me to thrive. He wants the joints of my body to work. He wants every organ of my body not to wear out but work. And he wants to do the same thing for you. So if you've got to adjust your diet, if you've got to adjust how you live your life, then you know what? He's going to talk. But some people are too stubborn to listen. Or they're not tuned in. And if you'll tune into the Word, He'll tune into you. And I am so grateful that at 18 years of age almost, Jesus came into my life, the Holy Spirit came into my life. He spoke to me, He cleaned up my mind, cleaned up my body, cleaned up my habits, and He's still cleaning my habits. And you know what? As you age, He'll work with you, He'll walk with you, He'll help you, He'll help you make adjustments. Are you glad? Oh my goodness, this is exciting. So anyway, um, so wise believers prepare now for the things that are coming 
on the earth. Here are four things. I'll get to maybe two of them tonight. And then next Wednesday night, we will finish up. Is that okay? We're still in the book of Revelation. This is just kind of a side journey. I've got one theology book I took in a Bible school I was at in 1977. And at the end of each theological discourse, uh, he had just little excerpts of spiritual. He went off on a little spiritual tangent that author did and talked to us about just spiritual things that would encourage us personally and spiritually. Because, I mean, you go through a theology book, it can get dry and wordy. And, oh man, but this thing brought life. It was wonderful. So that's kind of what we're doing tonight. Four things that will prepare you and me for the future. Number one, can we jump right into it? Assert your spiritual authority in Christ. How many know that you have a spiritual authority? You do. I'm going to show you. In fact, before I say anything else about it, let me show you that you have a spiritual authority in Christ. Now, now it's not a natural authority. It's not authority over your boss or your husband or wife or it's not authority over people you don't like. It's not authority over Democrats or Republicans. How many hear me? It's not authority over people who don't like you. It's authority over demon spirits. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places, demonic forces. We have authority over them, and we little understand that the, the atmosphere that we live in is manipulated by invisible forces. We understand it more today because we have, we have Wi-Fi and we have quantum physics that run our iPads and our iPhones and our daily life with our computer and high-techy world. All that's invisible things that manipulate uh, the, the seen world. And in the same way, spiritually, there's unseen, unseen things that are constantly manipulating thoughts, seeking to manic, manipulate our will, our emotions, and trying to move us a certain direction. We have authority over those things in Jesus' name. You know how many times throughout the years I've never told a soul, but in my prayer life, I've taken authority over this or that in a person's life here, in a person's life there. And, and, and all, it was almost... I don't want to use the word magic, but it was incredible how things suddenly changed because it was a spiritual influence causing a person to act, to be, or do a certain way. How many understand it? Bottom line is, Jesus, if you're in Christ, I don't care if you're one minute old in the Lord, you have authority in Jesus. You have authority over demonic force. And let me talk about it real quickly and make it real practical. Colossians 1.13 amplified the old Amplified, Amplified Classic says this, The Father has delivered and drawn us to Himself out of the control and dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Look at the first part of that. The Father has delivered us, has delivered and drawn us to Himself. Now think about that first part. I got a hold of this this morning. God has first of all, delivered us from Satan's control. And, and the first way he did that, he drew us to himself. Now, now Ephesians 2, 6 says, we're seated with Jesus in heavenly places. That is, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Ephesians 1 and 2 says he's overall principality, power, might, dominion in this world and in the world to come, right? And we're seated right there with him. If Jesus has authority over the devil, guess what? So do you. And it's an uncanny, amazing thing to think that you have the same authority over the devil that Jesus does. Y'all didn't even hear me. You do. 
People are often wanting a pastor, spiritual leader to pray for them. If you're in Christ, you pray for yourself. You don't have to get somebody else to rebuke the devil. Do it yourself. If you're being oppressed. If things aren't going right, you feel this uncanny whatever, whatever, you know, keeping you under. Can Jesus' name rise up above it and command it to go and then act like you're free? How many hear me? So the Father has drawn us to himself first. So, you know, in my mind's eye, I saw myself sitting right there with Jesus. He's looking at me, I'm looking at him. We're doing all right. And under our feet are all the demonic forces and things trying to hinder our lives. How many hear me? That's where you are. And then he says, out of the control and dominion of darkness, the whole world lies under the sway of the evil one. 1 John 5, 19 says, the whole world lies in darkness and we've been set free from the control of darkness. We're in that atmosphere of darkness. Darkness, perhaps uh, demonic spiritual darkness, surrounds the earth like a cloud canopy. But nonetheless, we have authority over it. When, I, when I've flown into other countries and you can feel the oppressive nature because Christianity hasn't ruled in that country, a place like India, certain parts of Africa where I've been, I mean, the oppression is strong. And, uh, you know, you feel it. But, you know, when I go in there, I think, you know what? I have authority. Now, wait just a minute. And I've had demon spirits come in my room. I don't have time to tell you stories. They've come in my room and said, wait, just what are you doing in my room? This is my room. I know somebody else owns the building, but you know what? I'm renting this room for this period of time. You get out in Jesus' name. I don't care what you've done in the room. Demon spirits have caused people to do things in, in, in hotel rooms you rent, houses you rent. If you're smart, you do some house cleaning. In the name of Jesus, out you go. Holy Ghost, come in. Angels of God, come in. Plead the blood of Jesus. How many hear me? Do all that kind of stuff. Y'all, it's more than, it's more than just weirdness. It, it's biblical. And it works. He's delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the dear son. So regardless of where we find ourselves on terra firma worldwide, we are out from under the control of that cloud canopy of darkness. And we are in the kingdom of his dear son. Is that good or not? Then Colossians 2.15 says this. I've got several translations of this. Let me tell you what I've done over the years. My next, one of my points that I won't get to tonight is meditation. I'll talk about it next week, but I've taken time to meditate. You'll never become a spiritual person unless you take time to meditate. Y'all ain't even... I won't even ask for a show of hands of how many people meditate. You should not just read... But meditate the Word of God. I'm not saying curl your fingers up, put them on your knees and go, nah, 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 nah. I'm not, that's stupidness. That's Eastern metaphysical meditation that does nothing but clear your mind and let demons control you. I'm talking about meditation, that is taking Scripture verses and letting them cogitate or roll over and over in your mind. My mama used to tell me, Mitch, chew your food, son. You're swallowing it whole. What she was telling me to do, you know, uh, the doctor would say, masticate, chew it up with all your teeth and mix it with the saliva so it'll digest well. When you meditate the word, slow her down. Meditate word by word. Go one verse. I've taken these verses, Colossians 2.15, meditated on them for years because when I first came to the Lord, I was full of fear that the devil was going to have my life kill me early, make me sick, make me broke, cause me to have all kinds of terrible accidents that would maim me. And you know what? It hasn't happened and won't happen. 
because I dwell in the shadow of the Almighty. How many hear me? Now, you know, somebody listening or watching, you mighty back raggedocious. No, I'm not. I've made the decision to humble myself under the mighty hand of God and walk with Jesus every day and keep myself in a prayerful mode and repent of sin when I mess up so that I can be at the right place. How many hear me? But that's available to all of us. Nonetheless, he says here, look at it, Colossians 2.15. Um, now, this shows your authority in Christ. Can I read this real quickly and make some comments and, and we'll make a beeline home? Watch this, Colossians 2.15. Having disarmed principalities and powers, that's demon spirits, he, Jesus, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it, that is, in his sacrifice on the cross. Message paraphrase. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross. Woo! The devil can holler at you loud and long, but he has no authority unless you give it to him. I've often told this story all over the world. Back in the 80s, my, uh, Susan and I lived in Tulsa. We visited my home in South Carolina uh, when, and when we were first married and we were living in Tulsa. My parents walked every day on the walk. They said, come and go. They did power walking to help themselves physically. We were walking down a long dirt road and, and I was talking to them and, and in the distance, here come a dog barking loud. I mean, just a big bulldog. And he's barking loud. And he's running towards us full speed. And he's a little dot, but he's coming quick, and the dot's getting bigger. And I said to mom and dad, say, uh, there's a big dog running towards us, and he's barking. And they laughed at me, said, oh, that's just happy. His name was happy. They knew him. I said, he don't look happy to me. He looks mean. You know? And, the, and, we, and they never slowed their gait. We kept walking just as fast. And the dog never slowed. I thought, well, there's going to be something going to happen. And I said, don't y'all concern. He said, we're not concerned at all. It's happy. He won't hurt you. I said, he sounds and looks like, because you could almost hear the ground shake. Here comes the dog, you know. So bottom line, he came right up to us. When he got up to us, I was braced enough for him to bite me or knock me down or something. He stopped right in front of us, put his butt on the, on the ground. He didn't have a tail. Somebody had cut off, but his little snub tail was wiggling. And then I looked down, and he looked up, and he didn't have a tooth in his mouth. <laughs> I'm not, he didn't have, he was an old bulldog, didn't have a tooth in his mouth, and his tongue was hanging out on one side. <laughs> and they reached down and petted him. Now, you know, uh, 1 Peter 5, 8, be aware your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walks about, seeking whom he may devour. And it says, resist him. So Satan looks like he has authority. He can make you feel, he'll put a thought in your mind, a feeling in your body, and make you feel like, Things aren't going to work out in whatever area of life. You're going to fail financially. You're lonely. Nobody cares about you. The church don't care about you. The pastor don't love you. Your family has forsaken you. You know, you're getting old and feeble and senile. Blah, 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 blah. Your kids don't like you or whatever. Your boss don't like you. You're going to get fired. And you know what you need to do? Shut up in Jesus' name. How many have had any of the above or all of the above? <laughs> Yesterday, maybe, right? So, you know, bottom line, he stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. Philip's translation. And then they, having drawn the sting of all the powers raged against us, he exposed them shattered, empty, and defeated 
in his final glorious triumphant act. God's word translation. He stripped the rulers and authorities of their power and made a public spectacle of them as he celebrated his victory in Christ, the complete Jewish Bible, stripping the rulers and authorities of their power. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by means of the uh, cross, I don't know, the stake, well, the cross, same thing. Uh, he, um, uh, and then um, another translation, he disarmed, disarmed the rulers and authorities, put them to an open shame, then uh, amplified classic, God disarmed the principalities and powers that were ranged against us. So in my mind's eye, you know, back in the early 60s, when I was a little boy, there was a TV program that came on at night once a week called uh, Branded. Y'all remember that? And it's this guy in the army, you know, and he's standing up, and here's the general standing in front of him. And he was a man of rank, and he had, you know, had bars on his shoulder and all that. Well, here comes the general stood in front of him. He took his sword. He took his gun. He stripped off his ranks. He took his hat, and then he tore the buttons off of the front of his shirt, exposing his naked chest. And then he told the guy to get out. And he walked out the gate of the military compound that shuts the gates behind him and he walks he walked away in disdain what are y'all looking at oh i thought they had it up there and you know when i read this i thought about what jesus did to the devil he thinks he has authority he thinks he's going to overcome jesus he thinks he's going to take the place of god one day but he's already been defeated now, how many act like he's defeated? Or how many get scared when he makes you feel something or think something or some circumstance rises up? What do you do? Be sober. Be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist. You have the God-given right and authority to resist. How many hear me? Luke 10, 17, then the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. He said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, demons and evil spirits and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. New Living Translation, look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. He's talking about authority over demonic powers when he talks about serpents and scorpions. And y'all, all over the world, I've seen demon power fall. And you know what? When you enter the room, it ought to be that you know your authority in Christ. When you go home for Thanksgiving and see all your family members, you don't have to do it publicly. Don't be a dum-dum. You know, be smart. But you know, underneath your breath, before you even get there, you can pray. You say, I take authority over all the, all the devils of hell that are going to try to stir up strife and mischief and mess in this family in Jesus' name. If you have an unsaved uh, fa uh, a family member, father, mother, brothers, children, uh, by yourself where nobody can hear you, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over the demon powers of hell that are seeking to lead them away from God. I bind you. Or you're seeking to bring strife. Or you're seeking to harm my child. I bind you in Jesus' name. How many hear me? 
We need to exercise our authority in Christ every single day. How many hear me? If you work in a really strange place and the atmosphere is strange, before you go to work, take authority over the atmosphere. Declare, declare the blessings of God. Command every demonic force to go in Jesus' name. Let me say a few things about this uh, real quickly here. You have more authority over your life than anybody else's life. huh? So the most spiritual authority you have is over you. Nobody has more spiritual authority in your life than you. You say, well, pastor, can't you assert spiritual authority over my life? Now listen to this. Sometimes yes, and sometimes no. Listen to this. So if you're a person and you've known the Lord long enough to get your hind in in the Word, and you choose to do everything else but read and meditate and get yourself built up in faith, and it's been a period of time, and you've grown out of the baby and diaper stage spiritually, and you ought to know better, it could be that God won't allow somebody else to exercise authority for you. Because God is a good disciplinarian. You ever seen a parent with a child who won't do something that they know they can, and they say, well, you'll sit there till it rots, but I'm not going to feed you, you're going to feed yourself. Or something else. How many get it? People don't even understand those kinds of concepts today. How many hear me? You've got authority in your life. Sometimes you can exercise authority in people that are, with people that are not in your family. If they're bona fide baby believers and they don't know the rights and privileges in Christ, then sometimes, yes, you can exercise authority. You can exercise authority over your children spiritually. How many are longer as the young? And then they'll reach an age they're responsible for themselves. Yes or no? Is that right? And then if you've got an unsaved spouse, you can exercise authority over demonic forces that are trying to mess with them and manipulate their thoughts and make them do crazy things. And some, Yeah, you can do that to a degree. But then when that person meets the Lord, they are responsible for themselves. How many hear that? How many understand that? So, so how many know, well, you have a measure of authority here. At, I have a measure of authority here at Victory Church. I'm the pastor here. I command demon forces to stop in Jesus' name. But how many know we're all responsible for deal, to deal with our lives individually? How many get it? So I'm just trying to say there's, there are measures and ranks of spiritual authority and the age we're living in right now, Satan is looking for any crook, crevice, and cranny that he can get in to mess up your life. How many hear me? And that's the reason that we need to keep our minds, keep our bodies, keep ourselves full of the Holy Ghost, keep ourselves full of the Word, and every day assert your spiritual rights in Christ. One of the things every morning, everybody okay? I got to stop, but I got to get this. Every single morning when I wake up, there's certain things I do. One of the things I say, and I don't have the time to tell you all of them, one of the things I say before the Father and say, Father, I'm so glad I'm saved. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. The blood of Jesus has cleansed my sin. And Lord, I want to thank you that I'm seated with Jesus in heavenly places, far above every demonic force in this world or the world to come. Jesus and I are in authority in my world. Do you do that? If not, why not? If not, what's it going to take for you to start? Don't wait for calamity. Start now. Y'all get it? Do it. Exercise your authority. You get up and you feel melancholy. You command that mess to go in Jesus' name. Put your feet on the floor and start worshiping and praising God. 
Lester Sermall said of Smith Wigglesworth, somebody asked him, how you get up every morning? He said, I put my feet on the floor, and he said, I just dance before the Lord for a few minutes and lift my hands and praise God and worship and sing and praise God and thank Him for saving me from sin. And then Lester Sermall said, don't you feel weird? And he said, I never ask myself how I feel. I tell my body how I feel. I tell my mind how I am. I tell my emotions how I am. And you know what? How many know you can live that way? Well, aren't you in the real world? Don't you have feelings? Yes, but you know what? I found out if you let your feelings control you, you will be a defeated person. How many hear me? Too many people today, they so want to be in tune with themselves and so in tune with my feelings, they forget God, they forget His Word, they forget their authority in Christ and let the devil rule them. Don't let him do it. Well, that was free. I didn't mean to be so demonstrative. Call up a couple of other things here. Remove from your home any emblems of demon power. Demons are territorial. 1994, this month, 25 years ago, we, uh, we, went to the, we moved here to, from South Carolina. And we had a small church on Garner Road, and it's still in existence. Uh, demon spirits occupied the building. Poltergeist. Do you know what that is? Hit the walls. I would be preaching, and my words, it felt like hit the back wall and slapped me upside the head every Sunday. I said, God, what is wrong? I went to put my key in the lock one day, and I heard, you don't belong here. What? I ran all the way around the building because I thought, who's talking to me? I didn't see anybody. Second day, I was in the office. I put the key in the deadlock, deadbolt, turned it. When I did, again, you don't belong here. I ran around the building again. Nobody asked, oh, well, that's the devil, some little devil. You foul devils, you can't stay here. Make a long story short, demons are territorial. And for generations, demon spirits had dominated that building with religion. And I wouldn't let them dominate me, and we ran them off. Huh? I go through cities when I travel. I can tell there's a stingy devil, there's a loose devil, a sexually immoral devil. There's an aristocratic devil Demon spirits are territorial. Make sure if you, whatever house you live in, you take authority over it in Jesus' name or the land where you build your house. Everywhere, I got stories that I don't have time to tell. And then if you've traveled and you've got a trinket from here, a little whatnot from there, and it's an emblem of demon power. If you've been to Africa, if you've been to India, you've been to Latin America, you got a little face mask, you got a little image. Take that stuff and make you a bonfire outside and burn it. Demon spirits love emblems that represent them. And they will manifest themselves around those emblems. Now, I have a whole series that I need to do on this. Because I have had to deal with people in these kinds of things over all the years of ministry since 1981. And I have some things that would be amazing if I had time to tell them. But I've had people that were oppressed. They had certain problems. And they just couldn't seem to get over it. And then finally I was praying. And the Lord said, ask them about what's in their home. I've had people that were in the armed services. They've traveled all over the world. And they had whatnots from all over the world sitting on their shelves. And they were oppressing themselves. 
with demonic spirits that hang around those things. If you, uh, if you look at the horoscope and you have horoscope books, throw the stupid things away and clean your life up. How many hear me? Anyway, I'm just trying to be real plain here. Can I end with it? Keep your kids away from demonic Halloween costumes. I mean, I don't know how stupid a believer can be. we got believers in our church, and you dress your children up for Halloween as the devil, or as a spook, or a goblin, or a ghost, or, or, as, a, or, or as a witch, or... You know, a warlock or somewhat. Why in the world are you doing? Well, it's just play. We don't mean it. Well, I know you might not mean it, but demons see it. And they're going to say, these people are dumb, dirt, stupid. And you know what? I'm going to oppress their child. Don't buy toys that have anything to do with the demonic realm at all. Don't do it. You're asking for that to come into your home. And then doctors want to fill your kids full of all kinds of uh, pharmaceuticals to try to deal with spiritual problems. It's not always that way, but there's a lot of that going on today. How many hear me? So Halloween's coming up. Don't dress your kid up like that and go trick-or-treating. The whole bottom line of all that stuff is the demonic realm. Honor God. Do His will. Let your kids love Jesus. Dress them up as Bible characters if you want to, or whatever you need to. But don't do that. Let me ask you a question. Uh, would you want your kid to dress up like Hitler? How about Charles Manson? Uh, how about Jeffrey Dahmer? You know who he is? Uh, he killed a bunch of women, raped them. How about Je- Jeffrey Epstein? Would you want your kid... Hey, I'm Jeffrey Epstein. You'd say, you're, you're doing the same thing. When you're dressing up your children for Halloween in demon power costumes, you're being stupid spiritually. So I hope you're watching online. If you're laughing, you know what? God somehow is going to get through to your tough hide because you're ruining your children. And you're making them think that spiritual things mean nothing. How many here, they mean a lot. And friends, it's time for the church to get back to doing things the way they should do. We need to honor God, honor our children, Honor his word, love one another, and take authority over the devil. How many hear what I'm saying? So, I mean, listen, you have authority over the devil, take authority over him, and don't play around with stuff. How many hear me? Listen, you know how many times demon spirits have attacked my life? Y'all, I could tell you stories, and I don't want to scare you, but, you know, when you do what I do, the devil doesn't like you. And uh, I've had oppression. You don't know the thoughts. My next thought, my my next part, if I had time to finish, and I've got to stop, and I don't want to. Is keep your thoughts clean. Satan works with the realm of thought. I'll start here next time. Can y'all give me more time next week? <laughs> Martin Luther said this, you can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you can't keep them from building a nest in your hair. Kenneth Hagin picked up on that phrase. He got it from Martin Luther. And then Kenneth Hagin, when I went to his school, he'd say, you can't keep thoughts from going through your mind. But you don't have to dwell on them. And you know what? Here's what I found out. Spiritual warfare is not out here in the ether wave somewhere. Spiritual warfare is between your ears. It's in your thoughts. That's how it starts. The further you go in God, sometimes the more intense the spiritual warfare is. When you know who you are in Jesus, and you know the Word, and you know the power of the Holy Spirit, 
There's some entity wanting to take that away from you at all times. And that's the reason we as believers need to assert our spiritual authority in Christ. How many hear me? When you first come to Jesus, often there's huge spiritual battles because the devils that have had your life all of your life bound with this, bound with that habit, bound with this thing, bound with that thing, bound in that relationship. Once you get set free from that, they're going to do their best to lie to you and tell you that what you're experiencing is not real. God doesn't love you. Nobody cares. That's not working. You'll never be free. And you know what? You need to take authority and clean your thoughts up and say, devil, go in Jesus' name. How many hear what I'm saying? 